0: LifeSpring number 159, how to have power, potential, and passion in your marriage. Hello. What's going on? Hey, and welcome back to LifeSpring. So good to see you. I'm Steve Webb, and I'm your host. Today, I've got a really good interview to share with you, so we're going to get to it pretty quickly. I do want to let you know that I love to get your feedback and questions at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. And even better, I'd love for you to call the toll-free line at 877-433-9091. That's toll-free, 877-433-9091. I love to hear your voice. After the interview today, I'll have just a thing or two to share with you, so hang on to the very end. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with one of the most important people in my life. His name is Del Brixey. This is a man that God has used more than once to bring me face-to-face with himself. Del's doing some very special and very important things today that I wanted to let you hear about. And uh, way back on Lifespring number 85, which I named Faith Personified, I talked with his wife Kathy, you may remember that, in which she talked about her battle with MS or multiple sclerosis and cancer. She's had cancer in her own body three times, and Dell has had cancer as well. I love these two people, and I hope that you will too. So let me play our conversation right now. Today I'm with a guy that I have known almost since the beginning of time. As a matter of fact, in large measure, the guy that's sitting across from the table from me right now is responsible for you listening to this show today. At least an argument can be made that way. Depends on where you are in in, uh, predestination and that whole thing, which we haven't ever really talked about on this show, but uh, maybe someday we will. But I've known Del Brixey since uh, junior high school. We didn't actually become friends until high school when he decided to become a man and join the swim team and water polo team. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a swimmer for a long time, and uh, Del joined the swim team at Santa Fe High in Santa Fe Springs, California. When we were freshmen, I believe. Yes. Yeah. They needed a man on the team. And <laughs> and uh, that's when we began our friendship. After we'd been friends for a couple of years, maybe a year or so, uh, he came to my door one day and he said, hey, Steve, you want to go to church with me? And those of you that have listened to the Life Spring show for a long time know what this conversation was like. But for those that are new, uh, I said, well, um, I don't know. Uh, what kind of church do you go to? And he said, uh, I go to a Baptist church. And uh, I, had not, I did not grow up in a church-growing family. But um, a few years earlier, I had asked my mom, hey, what religion are we? Because uh, somebody at my school had asked, what religion are you? And I didn't know. So I went home and asked my mom. And she said, well, we're Baptist. <laughs> so when Dell said that he was inviting me to his Baptist church, I thought, sure, I'll, I'll go to church with you. And uh, I attended church with him for several months until one morning— when the pastor was preaching, and I can't tell you what he was preaching about, but it occurred to me that I had never personally asked Jesus to come into my life. And now, Dell had asked me earlier, are you a Christian? And I said, well, yeah, duh, of course I am. I'm an American, and you know, yeah, we're going to church, so I must be a Christian. But that morning, when Pastor W.L. Watson said whatever he said, I realized that um, I needed to invite Jesus into my life. So it's because Dell asked me to attend church with him when we were teenagers that I became a believer in Christ. I became a follower of Jesus. And uh you know, that was let's see, I'm fifty-three, I was fifteen or so years old, so it's been a good long time. And uh Dell's math's not very good either. Well, you know, math was never my strong suit. So what is it?
1: Forty some years. <laughs> there you
0: go. There you go. And now you get a little bit of a, a, a taste of what our relationship has been like for all this time. <laughs> but uh, Dell has been uh, my friend for all that time. He has uh, been with me uh, through the good times and through the ugly times. And he still loves me and I still love him and his lovely wife Kathy is sitting right next to him and Kathy you heard on a previous life spring show when we talked about her challenges with uh, cancer and MS and uh they have been against all odds now get this you you'll, you'll really begin to understand the the uh, the specialness of this once you get to know Dell better but for Kathy to remain married to this guy for all this time they met when they were what 17 16 15 Fifteen, and you were married at eighteen, 18. just the, like the day after you graduated from high school, practically September. Yeah, so uh, they've been together all this time, against all odds. Everybody said there's no way Kathy's going to stick with this ornery guy, but she has. So she is a great woman of faith, I have to say. A great judge of character, I might add. You might. <laughs> <laughs> But now, uh, now you know a little bit about our background, uh, a little bit of Dell's background. Um, I've, he, he knows all of my laundry, and I know all of his. Well, not all of it, but um, he's uh, been everything from a guy that worked in a freezer at a dairy to uh, he worked in the oil fields in Kansas. He was a uh, Bank of America branch manager. And along the way, he answered the call that God had, had on his life to become a pastor, to be a full-time servant of God. At first, he was uh, head of a uh, college ministry here at uh, University of California, Riverside. I did that for a few years. And then he took a pastorate uh, in—well, it was first in Riverside, when you opened your first church in Riverside.
1: It it came out of the student ministry.
0: Okay. And then uh, he also uh, uh, merged that with another little church in Corona. And uh, now he's retired from being a pastor, and you've started a whole new chapter. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So Dell, with that big long preamble, welcome to Lifespring. Thank you, Steve.
1: So Dell, tell me what it is you're doing now then. Well, Kathy and I started a ministry called Challenge to the Core, which is inspiring real-life marriages. And a lot of people ask what's a real-life marriage? And a real-life marriage is one in which God gives you the power, the potential, and the passion to last a lifetime.
0: You can tell he's a a former pastor with the alliteration there, (laughs) the three Ps. So the power, the passion, and? Power, potential, and passion. Okay. So talk about that.
1: What does that mean? It means that so many people live their lives without tapping into God's power. They try to get through their marriage without his help. And it's possible for a while, Mm -hmm. but when the trials of life come, as James talks about, they're unable to withstand it they they crumble and so many of them end in divorce mm-hmm. statistics are right now from uh, george barna that christian marriages have about the same likelihood of lasting as a marriage from the secular which is that's sad, sad. absolutely that's absolutely sad, sad. Yeah. And, and we believe our mission is to change that and we have three ways we want to do that we want to be motivators we want to be educators and we want to be inner trainers. What is that? An inner trainer is someone who uses entertainment to train. And we believe that's one of the ways that God wants to use us, especially outside of the church. We want to minister in the church, but we also feel that inner-trainment is a way to train people who aren't necessarily Christians and make an impact. And we really want to do that.
0: Okay. So what does that look like? I mean, what do you do in your intertrainment?
1: Doing an event such as a, a keynote presentation at a conference for for a company mm-hmm. or a Christmas party. Have you ever heard of? Um, well, I know you've never heard of this traffic school.
0: <laughs> I was having a conversation with a guy about that this last weekend. As a matter of fact,
1: about you going. To, no, 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 never no, mind. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> it's
0: been a good long time since. So Where's some wood? Since I've uh, gotten a ticket, but no, a friend of mine at church actually. The, right, the drummer. Right. You know, well, you expect that from a drummer. <laughs> 90 into
1: 70, what are you yeah. going to do? They have taken traffic school and made it an art where you can even go and listen to a comedian yep. to go through traffic school. And one of the concepts we have is to, to try to offer a, a training, if you will, along the lines of humor— Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a comedic act, but humor in which uh, individuals can bring their friends to a a night of entertainment, Mm -hmm. or what we would call entertainment, where we present marriage in a humorous light with a very serious message. Uh And uh, so they can invite their friends, couples that are having troubles, whatever, just to a night of entertainment. And God will use that time. And
0: uh, besides the, the power, using the power of God to, mm-hmm. to make your marriage last, what are some of the things that, that you try to communicate to people? I mean, I, I, I like to be practical, okay? okay? What does that mean, using God's power to make your marriage last?
1: Well, do you want to have another alliteration? Sure. Okay, let's look at the word power. Okay, let's. Okay. The P stands for put down. You need to put down everything in your marriage that is holding you back whether it's uh a vice that you have, mm-hmm. whether it's a habit you have, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, there are certain things that we have in our marriage that are just keeping it from growing Now, exploding. do you mean keeping me from,
0: uh, uh, let's say, committing myself 100% to my
1: mate? Or, sure. Okay. That, mm-hmm. That's one aspect of it, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keeping you from committing that, keeping you from being the person that God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. God wants a marriage to work, but, but both parties in the marriage have to be spiritually mature if they're going to make it. Mm. And there's many times in our marriage that, that we were on the edge of, of divorce, mm-hmm. but it was because we had a faith in God and we relied on Him that we said, okay, we just have to put down those things that are of the flesh, the things that we want, and strive for what God wants in our marriage. And so we need to put down. But the second part of power uh-huh. is the O, right. and that means we need to own up. We need to own up to our own mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, we we often want to point out what's wrong with our mate. You know,
0: God oh, fix she, them, yeah. make, make them
1: better, a better listener, make them yeah more sense. Right? Exactly. Yeah. God, I'm perfect, but would you please work on my spouse? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we put down and we own up to um, what our responsibilities are. Very good. Mm-hmm. And the W is we need to walk by faith. We need to get in the Word. We need to see what God says about marriage. Mm-hmm. What does God say about the husband being the spiritual leader of the house? What does it say for a man to be submissive to his wife and a wife to be submissive mm-hmm. to her husband? Talks about that in Ephesians. So we need to, to tap into God's power by walking in faith. And the E... Wait a minute. Part of, that okay. walking,
0: part of that walking by faith, too, is so many times, and I know I said it in my first marriage, I don't feel love anymore. The faith part is you start acting like it. Correct. And the love will come. Exactly. I have owned up to a lot of things in the failure of my first marriage, and and some of it on the show here. Sometimes it is just faith. I mean, I love Leanne like I have never loved anyone before, and I believe that she's just wonderful for me, and she's perfect for me. And there have been times where I've had to say, okay— Even though I love this woman today, boy, she just is really getting to me. And there are times in every relationship where you you have an ebb and flow of those, quote unquote, those feelings of love, the the mushy stuff. Feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. But a marriage is more than just the passion. It's more than just I feel in love today. Right. The faith part is I have committed to love you and despite what I feel today or even if it goes on for, could be weeks or even months at a time, right? the faith is, I need to act it, and it will come.
1: Correct. It's the whole concept, if you look at, at your, your, your salvation. Is it salvation by grace alone, or is it salvation with works? And James says, it's salvation by faith, but your faith will be followed by works.
0: Right. That's exactly right.
1: So it's the same thing. We need to walk by faith in our marriage. Yep. Do the things like you said, when we don't feel like doing them, and the feelings will come back. Absolutely. Good. Feelings will come back. Good. So the E. The E. Experience pure joy. And I take that directly from James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials of various kinds. And it, it, it says, Consider it pure joy. Now, That's hard to do, especially when you've gone through experiences like cancer, Mm -hmm. and Kathy has her MS, and she's had three different types of cancer. Mm -hmm. Other people have gone through, you know, severe job layoff, financial problems. Um, You know, there are a myriad of things that people can go through that they don't have joy. But James says that we can have pure joy. And so we want to teach people how to do that, how to go through the hard times And to actually have pure joy. Because James goes on and says, when you do that, you're going to develop perseverance, and perseverance will lead on to maturity. Mm -hmm. And so you go through putting down, owning up, walking by faith, experiencing pure joy. And the last part of power is the R. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. Got to stop. (laughs) Steve says stop.
0: That's right. Uh, Back to that pure joy thing. I think here in America especially, we confuse joy— with happiness, yes, we do. Happiness is not the same as joy. Uh-uh. There's no way that you can be happy about losing your job. Right. You you can't be happy about having three kinds of cancer, but, but you, you can, can have still joy. have joy. That's right. So talk a little bit about what that difference is.
1: The difference between happiness and joy. Yeah. Well, the Apostle Paul says that we need to find the ability to be content in all of our circumstances. He says, you know, I, I I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been in good health, I've been in bad health, I've been in shipwrecks, I've been abandoned. And he says, but the joy comes from Christ, Mm -hmm. you know. And knowing that Christ is with us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Mm -hmm. as a Psalm 23 would say, knowing that he's there with us, we can experience joy. We may not see it in the moment, but as we continue to experience it through the various trials in our life, We know that when we get to one where we don't experience it, that we will. Because
0: we can look back on what he's brought us through thus far.
1: Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And that's why the church is so important to a believer. Mm. So many people want to say, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't have to be part of a church. Well, yeah, that's true, but you're missing the power of being in the church. Scripture says in Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together mm-hmm. and continue encouraging one another. And, and that's the power of church.
0: That's right. And, and that's why last week I talked about the gifts of the Spirit. I had a, a listener that sent in a question about the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says these gifts are given, what, for the edification, for the building up of the other believers. It's not for us. Right. And that assumes that we will be gathering together as believers. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we do need to be together.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard to share in somebody's joy when you're going through the, the pits. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you get strength from that and knowing that I can have that too. Mm-hmm. I will have that too.
0: And as a matter of fact, that's what actually brought me back into fellowship in the body. Um, after my divorce and everything, I was feeling just like a complete failure in every area of life, including my walk, and Mm -hmm. and I was even questioning my faith, whether or not he was really there. And it was because I was at that church um, that Leanne had invited me to, and I saw the people worshiping God in spirit and in truth and with joy, and it it was genuine. I could tell it was genuine. And after experiencing that week after week after week, God began to soften my heart until Mm -hmm. I came to the point where I said, God, if this is real, I want it again. Right. And that would not have happened. If I had separated myself from attending church, I didn't feel like being at church because mm-hmm. every time I went, mm-hmm. I was just attacked by Satan as a hypocrite. Right. But it was because I was attending church that the Holy Spirit was able to begin to work on my heart and soften me to the point where I said, yes, I want this. Right.
1: The church is a hospital. Yes. And, and that's okay, by the way. And you're coming to the healer. Mm-hmm. And as people get healed, they become ER techs. Some are uh, rehabilitation specialists. You know, we we all minister to each other as we fit in and find out how we fit in to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we take that a step further when we get into a small group, because a small group is where you actually begin to open up and share the important part of your life. I mean, you can have a face talk at church because you can always pretend, but you can't pretend when you're in a small group. And that small group is the one that's going to minister to you when you're going the wrong direction. They're going to be the one that, that physically God uses to, to bring you and, and, and reach out to you with a hand. I call it the fleshly fingers of God. Uh-huh. We become the fleshly fingers of God yeah. when we minister to people. So the R was what again? One the R one. is to reach, okay. to reach your destination. The R,
0: by the way, just in case you're, you're like me and have ADD, <clears throat> we're talking about power. Correct. And so
1: the R in power is to reach. Is to reach. Reach what? To reach your destination. Okay. What God wants you to be. And that leads into the second point, which is the potential. Okay. But before we move to the potential, mm-hmm. here's kind of a, a philosophical question for you then. I was
0: talking one time to a guy, that, a very prominent Christian, and he said that we don't ever reach that point of the perfect Christian. So what are we talking about? when we Reach your destination.
1: Maybe I should say it a different way. Reach toward your destination. Sanctification is a process. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh wait, wait
0: a minute. There's one of those big uh, Christianese words that I never use on the show.
1: Okay. So define that. Sanctification. All it means is becoming what God wants us to be. And it's a process. It's a journey. Okay. It's just like becoming a disciple. Uh, Matthew twenty eight. 18 and 19, or 19 and 20, when it talks about, you know, we are to to go make disciples, what that says, actually, is that we are to go and make learners. And our job is just to help people along the process and let the Holy Spirit—I mean, the Holy Spirit's the one who does the saving, it's not us—we are just using that process. Mm -hmm. And so reaching our destination is going down the right road for our life.
0: Good. Okay, so you wanted to continue now with the, after the, the POWER.
1: That's the power. That's the power. Right. And then we go into uh, finding your potential. You know, God gives us a power in our marriage, but then we need to realize the potential that he's put within us. So many people say, God, fill me. God, you know, uh, give me creativity. Well, isn't a isn't it isn't an uh the concept of God giving you something you don't have. It's God release the creativity, the potential that's in me. He already gave it to you. Mm-hmm. He knew you before you were born. He knew before you were in your mother's womb. He knew the numbers of your hair. He he knew everything that was going to happen in your life. Now it's just are we gonna ask him to release that potential within us? Mm. And so um, the potential is to achieve our dreams, reach our destination, reach towards that, and now we 're going to how do we do that
0: mm-hmm. so in since we 're putting this in the context of a marriage then okay uh, my potential in my marriage is to be a faithful husband mm-hmm. okay that hopefully is everyone 's potential when they get married right faithful spouse right um, supportive um what, what else would go in there? I mean, um, I, I, I really like to put meat on the bones. Sure.
1: I use another alliteration for potential, and I don't use potential because it has too many letters.
0: Yeah, it does. It's got a lot of letters. <laughs> We'd be
1: here for the next two hours. Right, right. I use the word dream. Oh, good. Okay. But you're but you asking me about, you know, what does it mean to to have that potential? What's the potential in a marriage? Yeah. Well, it is to be a good husband. It is to be a good father. Um, it is to be a good provider you know it's it's all of those things on on uh, the husband's responsibility is to make his wife complete yeah she makes him complete and so it's it's helping her be the person if i'm the spiritual leader i'm to help my wife become the person that god wants her to be by being the person that god wants me to be so it's it's within the marriage but it's also in being who god created you to be what are your what are your gifts what are your talents what are your abilities? And how does God want to use that in your life?
0: Now, that's an entirely other show. A guy could spend hours talking about what are your gifts and what are your, your talents mm-hmm. and your abilities. But maybe we can do another show sometime on that because okay. I mean, there's, there's a whole curriculum that I yeah. could do on that. So, yeah, taking that and then realizing that, you know, asking God to work through me mm-hmm. to make me the man that he's made me to be. Right. And then stepping aside and being obedient When he says, do this. Right.
1: So you want to look at the word dream? Sure. Okay. What I did with dream is I broke it up into three sections. There's the D and the R, the E and the A, and then the M and the S. Okay. Okay. And it actually comes into a phrase. So I'll just repeat the phrase and then we'll go through each section. Okay. Okay. It's down inside resides a spark entrusted to you, able to burn, miles high, and smoking hot. Wow. See, down inside resides a spark. Inside everybody, there's that creativity that God's given you. There's that person He wants you to be in your marriage. And we want people to realize that there is that spark down inside. They just have to look for it. Mm. People get so frustrated, so discouraged when their marriage is falling apart. They... Uh, they they turn to addictions oftentimes, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, something to deaden them. Mm-hmm. And so they no longer, or if they ever did, realize there's a spark inside them. And so we want people to know that there is that spark deep inside that they need to find. And we want to encourage them. Like you said, it's a whole other show. Mm-hmm. But we want to let them know that that's a process they need to start. The second part, the E and the A is that it's been entrusted to you, and it's able to burn. God put that in you. He entrusted it to you. It's like when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, I want to fan into flame the gifts, the spark that's within you. I want to do that, Timothy. And that's what we want to do. We want to fan that flame. God has given you He's entrusted it to you, and it's able to burn. We just want to help you to start throwing fire at it Mm. throw material at it Mm -hmm. and and to start to be who god wanted you to be it's down inside it resides a spark it's entrusted to you and it's able to burn next is the m and the s it's miles high and smoking and hot i like that people want to put a limit on what god can do in them because what they do is they look at themselves and they don't look at god Mm -hmm. you know
0: i could never do that i i don't want to do that i can't do that (laughs) Right? That's what people do.
1: Exactly. That's right. We we limit ourselves, you know. And um, like an athlete, uh, a professional athlete does a lot of visualization. They see themselves winning the race. Right. They see themselves catching the winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. They see themselves overcoming whatever barrier it is. Right. Because if they don't visualize it, they're not going to make it. Because their visualization is going to be, I'm going to fall. I'm I'm not going to finish the race. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. we have to understand that that God has more for us than we can ever imagine, and so we we don't limit ourselves on what we can do. We mm-hmm. want to ask God to set that bar mm-hmm. as to how high we can go. We want to get people to understand that it's miles higher. And it's going to be more powerful than we can ever imagine. Than you can ever. And let me me just
0: talk about how true that is in my own life. Going back to, you know, where I was on, you know, on that Sunday morning at church where I didn't, you know, I said, God, if this is real, make it real again in my heart. I was at the lowest of the low. And I thought that because of everything that had gone on, my divorce and everything else, that there's no way that God could ever use me again. I had been in ministry, you know, I had done a lot of things, you know, Bible studies and on and on and on. And I didn't think that God could ever use me again. But along the line, after I got you know back into church and recommitted myself to serving him, um, I came across some curriculum. You, you know him, uh, Henry Blackaby, mm-hmm. um, uh, experiencing God. God right. One of the things that he teaches in there is the best way to make a decision for God is in advance, just say yes. God, whatever you want, yes. Mm-hmm. And I began to live my life that way. And um that's why I have the Lifespring Media family of shows is because I said yes. And now people around the world are hearing us now. And um
1: That's exciting.
0: It is exciting, but it's 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 not because of anything that I've done other than just I said yes, God, whatever you ask. I will do it and this is far and above anything that I ever imagined I would ever have the ability to to speak to my my new friend in Nigeria right now by the way who Mm -hmm. um he's the the questioner from from last week a a young fellow in Nigeria had some questions and and um (laughs) um, Osato I haven't learned how to say your name quite yet but I'm working on it (laughs) his name has like 20 letters in it his first name
1: oh my gosh
0: so uh anyway um it's None of this is to is to point to me, but only to illustrate what you just said, that we have no idea what God has for us. Mm-hmm. And if we set our own sights, we'll never, ever reach uh, what he wants us to be. Right. And when we allow him to work through us just by, yes, Lord, whatever you ask, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. He takes us in little tiny baby steps until one day we look back and we go, I can't believe I came this far. Right,
1: right. And... Sometimes we want to look back and we go, what could we have been if we had just followed God way back when? Mm -hmm. I know in my own life, I mean, Kathy and I have talked about that, where our ministry has gone in a particular direction when we were doing things for God, but we were not really doing what God wanted us to do at the time. And so you have to live without regret. You have to just come to the point where, you know what? Okay, that divorce is behind me. All of whatever you have done that's wrongs behind me, Lord. I want to start that clean slate today. That's right. You've forgiven me. Let me forgive myself and and reach that dream that you have for me, and and not live in regret, but live with no regrets. That every day I'm gonna I'm gonna live for you, miles high. That's right, and smoking hot.
0: That's the beautiful thing about God's grace and the forgiveness is He does forget about it. Right. We keep bringing it up, and as long as we do that. We we will be limited. What were you going to say, Kathy? Go ahead and swing that around there. She was going to say something there.
2: Just that um, I think that we forget that Satan likes to remind us of all the things that we've done in the past that weren't pleasing to God, that mm-hmm. we that we call sin. And it's not, God doesn't remember those things anymore. They're in the past if you've asked for forgiveness for those things.
0: Now, wait a minute, though. You know, I, I asked God for, for forgiveness, but I blew it and I did it again. I mean... He's going to just give up on me, isn't he? No,
2: he's not going to give up on you. His grace is sufficient. It goes on forever. And he, the same thing is true in marriages. You're going to screw up in your marriage. You're going to make mistakes. And you have to go back to each other and say, I'm sorry. Let's start again. Mm-hmm. You know, Let's try this again. If, As long as you remember that your relationship is God-ordained, that um, he forgives us of our sins, we need to as well forgive each other of those things and they can be enormous things but if you look at each other through the eyes of god then it's not going to it's not going to change
0: that's so important to remember is yes he does forgive and he told the disciples uh, 70 times seven which really meant without limit correct as long as i'm willing to come back to god and say you know i'm really sorry please forgive me he will forgive it says he, he's faithful and just to forgive us if we'll just ask him for it. And so um, we don't want to abuse that at all. But if we come to him with, a, with an open and an honest heart and say, I'm sorry, you know, I blew it again. He'll say, OK, that's right. Let's let's go on. That's let's right. go forward. That's right. And we do need to do that in our marriages. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes. It if, is. Um, the older I get, the easier it is because I get more forgetful. But, uh, (laughs) but it's actually Leanne that has to do more forgiving than me of her. So,
1: well, the last point I wanted to talk about is there's the power, there's the potential, and then there's the passion. And before we go any further, I, I want to say that these didn't come from me. Okay. You know, all of this came from my study of the life of Abraham. And, um, the last one talking about passion, the PA is one point the SS and the ION. I'll give you the phrase. Placed against solid stone, integrity owes no one. And I'm taking this from when Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Mm -hmm. Isaac was the dream, at least part of the dream. Abraham had been childless, I mean, his whole marriage. He's 99 years old, and, and, you know, God's changed his name from Abram to Abraham which went father of many to father of a nation Mm -hmm. and he still didn't have a child and and um, then he has Isaac and and then God one day comes along and says okay now I want you to go out and I want you to sacrifice Sacrifice. Isaac for me and he's he's like whoa God (laughs) what are you talking about no he he may have thought that but he did it and so the first thing he did is he pursued it. He placed against. He went out, and he gathered the wood. He put it on Isaac to carry. He, he has the knife, and they follow out into the, to the wilderness where God had wanted him to go. Mm-hmm. And in our marriages, we have to have that same passion. We have to have that same passion to go where God wants us to go, to follow that dream, miles high and smoking hot, even though we don't know what God's doing. I think about what we did when we started this ministry this last year. For most of my life, I've been a vocational pastor, which means I worked at a secular job to provide the income to be the pastor of a church. Right. Well, in January of last year, we sold our home in Riverside. Uh, we moved to Lake Arrowhead. And uh, in April of that year, uh, I resigned my secular job. So... I was no longer working in the church. I was no longer uh, having an income from uh, my secular employment. And, and we're like, okay, God, this is what we believe you've called us to do. And family and friends are going, what in the world are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we are going to preach it, we have to live it, because this is what God has called us to do. And so we, we placed against. We started pursuing it. And then the the S and the S is solid stone. We need to prove it, and we need to go out every day, pursue what God's called us to do, and trust him for the consequences. Abraham went out, and then he placed Isaac on the solid stone. He lifted the knife to do what God had called him to do, even though he'd waited his whole life to have this child. And this was the child of promise. And if you look at that scripture passage, it says that when he left the servants, he said, you know what, Isaac and I are going to go ahead and worship God, and we will come back to you. Wait a minute, (laughs) how are we going to come back to you when I'm supposed to kill my son? It's because he trusted God that somehow God was going to allow Isaac to live. Whether it was to die and come back to life, he just knew that we were going to come back. Yeah, that was really a statement of faith. <clears throat> it was. So, solid stone, we have to prove it. How do you prove it in a marriage? You get up every day, you follow your dream, you you, you be the man of God that you're called to be, you be the woman of God that you've called to be, and um, you follow that dream every day.
0: Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel like it or not. Because if you feel like it, it
1: ain't faith. Right. It's, you're getting something out of it, exactly.
0: Yeah, but I'm here to say that if you do it in faith, mm-hmm. God does reward that richly, richly. Right. You guys been married how long? Thirty five years. Thirty five years. And and guys, if you could see this this couple, I mean, they are still truly in love. I mean, I can I can see it in Kathy's eyes. Of course, Kathy's always been beautiful. Anyway, I gotta say she's always just been just. I don't, why she's with you, I don't have any idea, Dell. because you know, no. you're you one of the ugliest guys I've ever seen. But, yeah, yeah, and she's eye candy. <laughs> she is. You have to understand, this is the dynamic Dell Del and I have had forever. <laughs> He's probably not all that ugly, but <laughs> we'll have to take a picture, put it on the website. But anyway,
1: this is good stuff. And I haven't finished. Okay. I owe in the last part. Let's do it. We pursue it, we prove it, and we protect it. Integrity owes no one. When Abraham put Isaac on that rock, he was following God precisely, and he didn't have to worry about anything. And when we follow God and we live a life of integrity, mm-hmm. and and we we're following His commandments, we're not cheating on our spouse, we're uh, we're not abusing our kids, and and, and, and we're trying to live. That doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. Of course, of course, we're going to make mistakes. But but we are, when we're uh, a people of integrity, we don't have to worry about what we said because we said the truth. We don't have to worry about where we were because we weren't doing anything wrong. Right. You know, we don't have to worry about it. And passion is zapped, if you will, out of a marriage when, when lies and deceit and dishonesty mm-hmm. are in it, there's no passion anymore. When, if I do something and my wife begins where she thinks she can't trust me, do you think that she wants to go to bed with me? Right. No. There's that separation that comes. Passion.
0: And isn't that what we all really want out of our marriages? So many people, again, and especially in America, but maybe this is a, just a human condition. We we want that passion, that, that, that feeling, that, mm-hmm. that uh, excitedness. Mm-hmm. Um, especially of a new relationship, there's that, that level of passion, and everybody thinks that that's what they want, and it's it's a lot of fun, but the the passion that comes from this kind of relationship that you've been talking about blows that kind of passion away in a way that,
1: that until you've experienced it, you can't even believe it. Right, because a lot of that passion is lust, and it's, it's, it's just the moment, and that wears off, and uh, you have to have something that builds on itself for a lifetime. That, that just draws you so close together that you think each other's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Kathy says we share the brain. She normally has it. She gives it to me when I need it. I've never, I've never seen that happen. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's because your eyes are getting bad. <laughs>
0: but it, it, it is so much better. The yes. longer you are together, if you live with this kind of a relationship, the, the more the passion builds. Right. And uh, I've experienced it with Leanne. Now we've been together. We just uh, celebrated our 18th anniversary. And every year it gets better. Every year we're more committed to each other than we were the day we got married. And so many people have no concept of what that actually feels like. Right. And I think it goes back to the very beginning when you talked about being able to give yourself to the relationship. hmm this is this is good stuff. So these are the kinds of things that you teach in in the programs that you that you offer.
1: Correct, in, in various ways. I mean, a mm-hmm. Sunday morning sermon. This is one of my Sunday morning sermons. You know that if a church wants me to come and speak, uh, I'm going to be speaking about marriage in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular message that I've I've gone over with you, the the, the basis of our ministry is actually a, a seminar that we do. Um, where each one of these these words become a keynote presentation for that Mm -hmm. seminar, and then we break up and do work based on each of those points. You know, we we do that, the preaching. We also do marriage coaching. Uh, Neither one of us are uh, a licensed marriage family counselor, but our experience comes from the trenches. It comes from God working on our lives and us being able to impart to people what we have experienced, and with us looking into their lives, with them sharing us, we can often see uh, mistakes, areas that need attention, mm-hmm. and we're able to coach them. Because I, I believe that probably, I don't know what the statistics are, but probably over 90% of the people do not need counseling. They just need someone to mentor them. They just need someone to look from the outside and and give them some some pointers, if you will, of of how they can improve their marriage. We can't give them desire to have it. I mean, that's what we try to do in the speaking. Right. And we let God work on their heart. But if they come with a desire to change, then we're able to help them do that. Now, I would
0: think that as a pastor, though, you did some counseling on lots of marriages. And so you're not just thinking or, or looking at your own marriage as experience, but your years as pastors. Correct. And so when someone comes to you and says, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we need some help, you're not just looking at the Brixie marriage, you're looking at all these others that you've experienced over the years that you you were pastors.
1: Right. And it it doesn't take long for a couple to get on the right track. And so... Now, wait a
0: minute. I know some pretty broken marriages. I mean, extremely broken marriages. mm -hmm. You're telling me that it's not hard to get back on track?
1: It's, it's not hard to get on track. It's just whether or not people are willing to get on track. It goes back to that power. Do they really want God to be in control of their lives? Once you overcome that hurdle, it's easy to get on track because God's at work in your life. God can mend all of the brokenness that we have if we want him to. Now, that's the major hurdle.
0: That's a big if for a lot of people. Right. Because in a broken marriage, a lot of times it's because one or both have become so self-centered mm-hmm. that I want what I want. Right. And I don't care about anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: the difficult part. Right. And if they've already gone through one divorce and they're on their second or third or fourth marriage,
0: then the barrier is even lower in terms of making it. The, the
1: statistics are are really low. Yeah, that's for because sure. Because they have to come to that point of of making real change in their life, right? Before they enter into a new relationship, I just I'm just thank God for your second marriage. It lasted eighteen, nineteen years. You said, yep. You know, but that's because you guys had a foundation to build on. That's exactly right.
0: And I did something that a lot of people don't do, and that is that I learned. From the mistakes in the in the first marriage. Right. And um, I had that that morning in church where I said, God, I want this. Not not the marriage, but I want the relationship, God, between you and me to be right. Right. And I worked on that. I allowed God to work on my heart and to bring the healing and to to forgive me. And and that is really where it has to start. I mean, if it's I, I want my marriage to to make it just because I want my marriage to make it. It's probably not. Mm -hmm. My relationship with God has got to be spot on. Or if not spot on, it's got to be something that I'm working on and am am conscious of. But if I'm committed to making my relationship with God
1: work, pretty much everything else is going to fall into place. Right. And uh, people don't have to wait for um, a marriage seminar, uh, uh, a special weekend or whatever. They can start today. And that's what we want to do is we want to inspire people. To make that decision that, that they are going to do it today. Mm-hmm. And As a
0: matter of fact, if you're listening right now, if you're listening on your computer or on your MP3 player, iPod, pause it right now and call your spouse. If, if there's something right now between the two of you right now, pause it Amen. and make that call. Send a text. A voice is better. But whatever, <laughs> whatever means of communication you can do right now, you know that you want to do it. So just pause it right now and make that call. We'll be here when you get back. Well, so Dell, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, how would they do that?
1: Well, they can go to our website, challenged to the core, and challenge with the D on the end of it. Okay. challengedtothecore.com, C O R E not C O R P S. Right. And Core actually stands for centering on real-life effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to help people do that. And I've already talked about what real-life effectiveness is, uh-huh. that, that power, the potential, and the passion. They can go on the website. Um, they Which, could,
0: by the way, have links on, on the show notes
1: page as well. Uh, they can write us at uh, P.O. Box 414, Lake Arrowhead, California, 92352. Our email is to the com. And the reason I'm giving that email is because every week we have a what we call an e sign that goes out to our subscribers. And if you go to the front page of our website, in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a place to sign up for that. You just enter your email address and hit submit, and you'll get our weekly what we call Pulse Check. It's uh, to help people to look at their lives, check their pulse weekly. Are they living in uh, congruence with their beliefs? And uh, that goes out under the name of Pulse Check at Challenges of the Core, and you can get us on that or just link on the website and contact us through that awesome i get dell's e-zine every week and it's good stuff thank you so and we're alternating kathy does one week and i do one week so you get both sides of the coin the female perspective and the male
0: so once you get the the rhythm you'll know which ones you want to read all of them (laughs) (laughs) well dell thank you so much for spending time with us today i love you brother
1: i love you too boy and uh, thank you. For I say boy because you're younger than I am. I'm I'm a way younger than you are. Yeah, two months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I look two decades
0: younger. So no comment. <laughs> so uh, Kathy, it's been great to have you with your brief little input on the show, which was uh, as always uh, spot on and really good. Thank you for being a part of the LifeSpring Show today. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Good stuff, huh? And that's just scratching the surface of the great things that Dell and Kathy have to share with their Challenged to the Core ministry. If your church or organization is looking for a special speaker, if you know of someone who could benefit from one-on-one coaching, get in touch with them, would you? Their contact information is on their website at challengedtothecore.com. And of course, I'll have that link on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com. Dell and Kathy, thank you again for being on the show today. Now, speaking of friends... I'm Dan Johnson,
3: and I approved this message. Hi, my, my. Sometime in your life, you'll go on a journey. It will be the longest journey you have ever taken. It is the journey to find yourself. Katherine Sharp Hi, my name is Daniel Johnson Jr., and on January 2002, I began a, the journey inside my mind as a blog to share interesting things about what's happened in my life and in the world around me. In July of 2005, I began listening to podcasts, and soon it was just a matter of time, August 2005 in fact, that the journey inside my mind would become a podcast as well. Listeners from all over the world have come on this journey, where I am the host and tour guide. You can find it on the web at jimmpodcast.com. Over the past couple of years, the show has evolved into a mostly music podcast, yet in many ways it still remains that new media experiment that I began six years ago. Well, I invite you to come join me for the 100th episode of The Journey Inside My Mind as we celebrate where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. I don't yet know all that we're going to cover, but I can tell you that it'll include the same warm, juicy goodness that listeners of The Journey Inside My Mind have come to enjoy over the years. I'm Dan Johnson, and this is The Journey Inside My Mind. Find it at jimmpodcast.com.
1: What happens when a man goes through his own portal?
2: we'll see. Journey inside my mind.
0: So be sure to check out his show at jimmpodcast.com. Well, thank you so very much for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the show. Next week, we'll have another great one for you. I've gotten some more really good questions for an Ask Steve segment, so I think we'll probably tackle some of those. Um, if you've got something that you've always wondered about in regards to the Bible or God or Christianity or what have you, why don't you ask Steve? <laughs> Steve.lifespring at gmail.com or you can call your question in toll free at 877-433-9091. It's always good to hear from you. It really is, so pick up the phone and make that call right now. Hey, I'll see you next week, okay? May God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. Take two. Oh, that's nice.
1: (laughs) Now that's a couple that's been married for 30 years.
0: (laughs) He takes his gum out and puts it in her hand. (laughs) Lifespring Media, bringing you quality Christian and family entertainment since 2004. Brought to you in part by InTouchProductions.com.